And welcome back to the new episode of the Space Suplex Podcast. I am Matt, and with me is Mike, and this is episode 37. And today we're going to talk about uh, some older shows, like uh, TNA's 2005 Unbreakable pay-per-view, along with uh, one match from TNA's 2006 pay-per-view Final Resolution from January of that year. Uh, And then we'll also talk about current stuff, like the... 2018 UK Championship Tournament, mostly day two, and also which the, uh, the re- rematch. The Excuse me? I said, which isn't the tournament, by the way, day two. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's sort of, kind of. But let me continue. <laughs> and then also, um, rematch for the NXT Tag Team Championships from uh, that are from uh, the NXT show of July 11th, 2018. And I am with Mike, as I said. How you doing, bro? Drop the hammer. That's right. I'm gonna break off some Brava. <laughs> right here on Space Suplex with a hammer. Right. <laughs> okay, so um as we uh tend to do, uh we uh, pretty much uh, probably said on the last show and if we weren't clear enough, I'll say it right now. Uh as far as main roster WWE stuff goes, fuck that shit. Fuck it. That's right, fuck it is right. It's garbage. Fuck it. It's garbage. I did go back a few weeks on a Raw recently to see what I thought. I wasn't. I was cloudy. I was cloudy on what I heard it was a good Drew McIntyre match that didn't. That wasn't that main event, you know, that we did watch together. Right. Uh, it was something else. I thought it was a Sin Cara match from like three weeks ago, but it's nah. That wasn't it. There's no way that could have been it because it was like it was like five minutes or less, and you know, it wasn't that great. Very typical, actually, of them. So, sometimes I go back if I get, if I feel like I get some kind of, you know, if I hear it through the grapevine. Yeah, well, yeah. I've had a good match somewhere. Yeah, I'll go back and watch stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, for instance, a good example, and this will kind of lead into us talking about Unbreakable 2005. And that uh, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe are going to battle for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam this year. And we all know that's going to be good. So, Well, it should be good. We'll see yeah, how okay. they screw it up. <laughs> that's true. We'll see how they screw it up. Well, let's get into uh, their TNA's Unbreakable pay-per-view from 2005. This is on September 11th of that year. And... Um, Overall, since I, I watched it at the time, and I was always really high on the show, uh, so I just want to get your overall thoughts before we get into matches. I mean, it's definitely one of their best uh, they probably ever had, but uh, yeah, I don't know, just get into it. All right, I'll get into it. <laughs> they did have two uh, dark, dark matches beforehand, a pre-show, whatever you want to call it. Of course, as we do, as we tend to do, we skip that shit. Um, but anyways, uh, the opening match was, uh, BGG James, as everyone knows, is the road dog, um, Conan and Ron Killings, who everyone knows now, today now as R-Truth. They were collectively three live crew, <laughs> and they were, uh, doing a six-man tag team match against the team of David Young, Elix Skipper, who I'm sure people remember, if they remember from WCW and... Simon Diamond from ECW, collectively known as the Diamonds in the Rough. 
They're all very unique uh, team names here. Yes. (laughs) Do not steal. (laughs) Do not steal. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, it was your typical uh, six-man tag, and it was fine and all. It was only about four minutes, so I think if it would have gone on longer, it probably would have bored the fuck out of me. I mean, but uh, thankfully, it was what it needed to be, and it was mostly, like, I guess, setting up, um, because... Billy Gunn, as everyone knows, as he came in, rec- he came in pretty uh, more recently uh, at that point to the company, and he was initially going under the Outlaw, and uh, <laughs> get it, guys, because he used to be part of the New Age Outlaws. Get it, <laughs> but uh, anyway, said, all very original names don't steal, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. But eventually, he did just take the surname of James as well, and called himself Kip James to. Uh, Differentiate himself, but also be similar to, you know, playing on him and BG James's uh, past in the WWF and stuff. And so there was friction between those two and whatnot. But they do eventually team up officially together. So as a James gang, because, you know, that's original too. Don't steal. Um. <laughs> I know. There's just anything. There's nothing but the most uh, incredibly awesome named teams in this uh, company. Yes, that's right. Which also, which is funny, because then they eventually changed, because I guess for some reason, we have to get digs into WWF. So eventually, the team stayed the same. There wasn't adding anybody or changing anything. They just eventually just called themselves the Voodoo Kin Mafia. And that the whole, the whole reason for that was just because the letters spelled out, the initials spelled out VKM, which is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Like, oh, you dig that. Oh, Wow. Sure, he was threatened. I got, I got, I got to tell you, man, it's just <laughs> incredible. You know, yes, really right. gets me involved. Yeah, the only uh, like thing that came out of it that was even worth a damn, which I guess depends on your tastes and wrestling and shit, is that they had a valet eventually, uh, Roxy Laveau, and she was kind of doing this voodoo shit. You know, it was the only connection to the name that made any sense. Which eventually, then she dropped all that stuff when she was on her own. So uh, that's like the only highlight of it if anything so anyway so yeah so it was basically this whole match was just to kind of f- further the storyline between the two james bros and other than that it was there was nothing really special about the them's rough doing anything like they really didn't go anywhere with the team anyway so so then we got um uh two guys that back then probably most people didn't know now that everyone knows them. And in fact, they were literally brought in as a quote-unquote showcase match. They weren't even in the company. This is probably just, I don't know if they signed deals or if they just came in this one-shot deal. But it was Austin Aries, and he defeated Roderick Strong. One what of my favorite think? wrestlers now, Roderick Strong. Right. I was high on him back then. When I first saw him in this match, the first time I saw him was this match, I was like, damn, that dude's awesome. So He, he definitely uh, still... Uh, he definitely showed in this match the same stuff that I know for him now, which is many different backbreakers. They even what call is he, him, Mike? He's yeah, Messiah ahead. the Backbreaker. That's what I was going to try to get you to say. <laughs> they actually called him that in this, in yeah. this match, which I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting like, oh, you know, he'll probably have some other nickname or nothing at all. No, that's still, he had that back then. I'm like, all right. I see why you did him anyway. You know, good. Yeah. Uh, I guess a lot of my uh, history will, a lot of my feelings of the matches and talk about it will be more of the history of the guys 
to come and like Austin Aries was hired in eventually and they changed his name to Austin Star with two R's. Again, original, don't steal. Um <laughs> Very. and and uh, he did sort of this flamboyant character, it felt like it was. But eventually when he left, he came back and he ever since then he'd just been Austin Aries, so it was kind of a short little blip on the radar there for him. Um yeah, one of the strong match definitely they went eight minutes and it was uh damn damn good and definitely another example of a, a reason to watch the show even if it isn't the highlight. Like it's well, it's a highlight of this show, but I'm saying that no one really brings up their match to watch this show for, but it's definitely something to come to for in addition to the main event. So Yeah, absolutely. So then speaking of Kip James, um <laughs> He, he teamed with uh, Monty Brown, who I felt was always, like, downplayed. Like, they'd always kind of start... Think of think of the... I think the best example is WWE, the way they do a start-stop push with uh, Dolph Ziggler. I feel like that's what TNA did with Monty Brown. Like, they'd be serious with him. There's a point where, at this point in time, he was the number contender to the TNA title, uh, or the, the NBA World Championship at the time, because they still had that title with him. And... But then Christian Cage came in, and because of that all hype, they uh, put those two together in a fight to for him to for Brown to defend the Democratic Tenorship, which he lost to Christian Cage. So and that's pretty much was the last thing that really did was that that I can remember. So. It's too bad too because he was pretty good. Yeah, I, I almost kind of wish at the time they they kept him up there to have a feud with uh, Christian. But yeah, they didn't yeah. do that. Yeah, all they did was that one thing where the let's see, this was September. Yeah, so it was in. They hired him, they hired Christian in within the next two months, and then by November they'd had that match against each other. So, um, but then Christian wouldn't actually fight for the title until February. So, drawing it out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so this whole thing had Kip James also like with Monty Brown because they're supposed to be with quote unquote planet Jarrett again. What, what do we say about these names, Mike? They're very original. Don't steal. Yes. Yes. Um, it kind of was a haphazard group more or less. Obviously Jarrett being the leader. It was at the time when I think America's most wanted was with them and whatnot. But anyways, uh, so, but Monty Brown's big thing was, you know, just like, like I'll be part of your group, but don't you tell me what the fuck to do. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of where the whole thing was coming through from. And they defeated Apollo, not Apollo, well, I forget. It was like a distinct way you say his name. Well, he has one L in his Apollo, yeah. so they would just Apollo, basically oh, say, not a, they Apollo, would basically just say Apollo anyway. They didn't, because they're like, they obviously wanted that. For some reason, they just didn't put one of, I don't know if it was some, you know, copyright reason. That they didn't put the second L in there. So if when I look at that, I see Apollo because that's what it really says. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> yes. But whatever. Who gives a shit? I was and he was uh, teamed with Lance Hoyt. And uh, yeah, the guy's pretty green at this point. <laughs> that's right. He is very green. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you to chime in here. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I supposed to say something about these matches we watched too long ago and I don't remember? <laughs> oh, my God. 
but uh yeah well i can say something about him now isn't isn't he lance archer now he's in new japan yes yes yeah he doesn't look looks a lot different now well i mean i guess you'd expect that it's been how long what's well, well, funny you say that because it when when i initially heard about this guy named lance archer i didn't know the same guy but as soon as i saw the picture i knew it was him yeah so so i don't think he's changed that much well, you know, I don't have the memory you do, I guess. You, I, you definitely don't. I <laughs> have half the brain you do, I guess. Um, <laughs> All right, Sid. But, uh, yeah, that's where he is now, uh, teaming with, uh, what's it, Davey Boy Smith Jr. Right. In a tag team called the Killer Lead Squad. Speaking of which, I haven't seen them in months, by the way, on New Japan's events. Yeah, I haven't even heard about them in months. So I can't remember the last time that they showed up in something. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm including undercard stuff. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Anything. Yeah, I don't know. They'll probably show up again uh, sometime after the G1 that's going on right now. Because they do have a, a, a tag team tournament coming up they, every year as well. So they might be in that. In fact, they're very likely to be in that. Mm-hmm. I would assume that's when they're going to reappear for the whatever it's called. Anyway, so. So it was. Uh, so the next match was uh, Chris Saban defeating Pilly Williams, and this was originally supposed to be Saban against Shocker, which is uh, who is a, a Mexican wrestler. They had a he had a stint with in the company, and uh, they were doing like three matches a row or some shit. I don't remember exactly what they were doing, but uh, I believe that was what it was. Unless I'm mistaken for pr- the earlier in the year one against Alex Shelley, but who knows? <laughs> but anyways, uh, as you expect, a uh, good showing here by both guys. Uh, Twelve and a half minutes, and Saban wins that one. Yeah, it was very good. Thanks for that awesome commentary. Uh, no problem. <laughs> now we had uh, Abyss versus. Uh, Sabu and a no DQ match. Uh, obviously, all the hardcore stuff you'd expect from two guys like this. And uh, I was very high on Abyss at the time, and even higher on James Mitchell as his uh, mouthpiece. And uh, pro- I made him my. I was actually awarding things at that time, and I definitely had the best on the mic being James Mitchell. Uh, he just did a great job there. And Abyss, of course, doing his black hole slam and shit. All good. And Sabu being Sabu. So, you know. And Abyss one wins this one. Yeah, I really like uh, James Mitchell. I actually, uh, you know, my first exposure personally was ECW at the end of ECW. One of the last few years of that promotion. Uh, when he was there. Uh, being the manager for... Uh, Mikey Whipwreck and Yoshiro Tajiri. So, he was good there too, in the same reasons he's good here. So, yep, all good. And then we had uh, another one, another match. Uh, uh, this one went nine minutes. Uh, Bobby Roode defeated Jeff Hardy. Bobby Roode here was part of Team Canada, which was, I want to say, running its course at this point uh, by 2005. But regardless. Uh, it's not as uh, shittily used as he is now on the main roster of WWE, but uh, he was against Jeff Hardy, and uh, 
they beat him. Uh, but uh, as far as like Hardy's performance, it was, it was pretty much nothing in TNA worth noting with Jeff Hardy, as far as I can tell. Other than the fact that they let him uh, do crazy characters and stuff like that. So, Come on, man. He was their world title man holder for a while. Come on. He was at one point. Yeah, I and he know. had a he had a stupid uh, someone had a stupid ass. I think it was him. Stupid belt made up for him, so it looked really dumb. <laughs> Just look up, look up TNA World Immortal uh, World Title Belt or something, and you'll find an image of it. It's really stupid looking. I can't wait. Uh, don't bother. Save yourself the heartache. Um, <laughs> are you doing it? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Yeah, immortal belt. Yep. Oh God, I've seen that before. It's fucking yes. terrible. I what is this shit? All right, it's supposed to be his face. <laughs> looks, looks really bad. I know. Um, what so is, we, is that? I don't know. It's just basically it's just take a, how Hardy like tries to paint his face sometimes and just put that on a belt. That's pretty much what it is. I like how uh, this, this particular image I'm looking at, it's attached to a page that says 10 ugliest championship belts in wrestling history. <laughs> very appropriate. Yes, very appropriate. In fact, um, it looks like that was the number one pick was this one. <laughs> It'd be mine of all the ones I've seen. Yeah, it actually is their number one pick. <laughs> What's number two just while we're at it? Uh, let's find out here. Uh, number two. Oh, what the hell is this? <laughs> Tommy Dreamer's New York Hardcore title. What the fuck is that? It's got like a New York license plate on it. <laughs> the fuck? Wait, 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 wait. I think I do. I think I actually do. Is it like a WWE title? Belt? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did that randomly, like really briefly. Uh-huh. When he was Hardcore Champion. Yeah, yeah he did that. Really stupid looking. Yeah, I vaguely remember it. That's why when you said license plate, I was like, wait, that sounds familiar. <laughs> God damn it, my brain remembers everything. <laughs> Even all this shit. Well, <laughs> since we're doing it now, let's go through the entire list. Yeah, let's do uh, that. Let's do that. Uh, number three is uh, the worst, is a WWF Heavyweight Championship belt from 1978 to 1985. It does look pretty terrible. What, what was the last year? 1985? Yeah. So that was the one that Hogan won from the Sheik, right? I don't know. It has a it has multiple like smaller square plates on either side of the bigger plate. It looks really dumb. Send me the link to this. Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll sure thing. Here you go. Because I think it, that sounds exactly like what. Because I didn't like that one. If it's the Sheik one, I didn't like it. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that one. Yep, that's that the same it? one. That's the same one, yes. Okay. Yep, it's the one where he's holding it up when he beats him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. That's terrible. Really stupid. Yep, because it is. Their fourth, their number four worst is Lay Cool Split Women's Championship. Oh, that looks oh, stupid. Yeah. What the hell is that shit? They actually, like, split the title in half? Yes. Yes. And yes, they were, this like, actually happened. And they actually <laughs> yes. were supposed to be co-champions? Yes. That's terrible. Yes. Co-champions are bad, then they made it worse. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. <laughs> Ridiculous is right. That's the last word of that one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
Oh my God. John Cena's number five on their list is John Cena's spinning U.S. title. <laughs> but they have the one. Oh, the U.S. title. That's right. I was thinking about the world title for some reason. Which oh, also, I'm sure we'll get there. Which is also dumb. Yeah. I actually hate like this one a bit more than I like the other one you're talking about. Like, I don't mind this one as much. In fact, if it didn't spin, I'd probably like it more. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you on all fronts. I think it's all terrible. Right. All right, whatever. Oh, my God. That's awful. <laughs> Next, number six is Taz's FTW Championship in ECW. Fuck the World Championship. Yeah, because he just basically took, looks like he took an old uh, World Championship from ECW title belt. And he just put... FTW stickers on them strategically, yes, yes, and put his name on the top of it. Yeah, yes. I don't remember. I I remember the uh, you know them using this title uh, in 1998 and all that, and 99. Mm-hmm. But and I remember them you know using it, but I don't. I don't remember seeing it well enough to 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 see how bad it actually looked at the time. <laughs> Boy, that's awful. <laughs> Number seven on our list is uh, is uh, Edge's Rated R Superstar World Title. That that looks bad too. Is that really it? Is that someone's fan made version of it? Because it because it, it has a draw really cheap. Because yeah. it has that that R that big R in the middle. That's not that's not it. That that's how it basically looked, but that's not the real thing. Wouldn't that be funny though if that was the it looks like some no no this one literally looks like someone had the spinner belt and removed the spinner bar, belt part that had the spinning part uh-huh. the middle plate and just uh, etched in shit on the on the uh, the leather because that doesn't look like I don't know or put something else in there because it doesn't look like the actual thing like why would you that 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 can't be a real one. <laughs> I just don't remember it look, like it shows the edge on the bottom that his name looks really weird mm-hmm. that doesn't look normal either it doesn't look like what it will look like so anyways continuing on <laughs> actually yeah you're right it's not it it's not uh, it I looked up real images here yeah uh, and it's still it's similar it but... still looks similarly terrible but it doesn't look quite the same as the one in that image right yeah. hey I said we'd get to it here we go the next one Oh yeah, the best the WWE one. spinning belt, <laughs> the WWE Championship spinning belt. Stop yeah, spinning belts. Stop look, it. Yeah, I'm glad I hate, we're done I hate with that. that shit. Yes. That Eventually, era of they... just individualized spinning belts. No thanks. Well, this one everybody wore. This wasn't specifically a John Cena one. Oh, I know. But... It debuted with him, but it spinned for a while before they just made it static. But it's it spun all yeah, over the spun. place. Yeah, I stopped spinning this shit. Yeah. It was uh, next one. I'm spinning in my grave. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I don't. Right. I, yeah, I don't like this one either. This one's not so bad though compared to the rest of them. But it's the Ring of Honor Television Championship. This is actually still the same title, by the way, that they have now. Right. If I'm not mistaken. I've never been a fan of long, oblong, like oval belts and shit like that. Especially when they're what is vertically long. That's the thing. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't like it. It, especially this one because, um, I've seen a number of uh, like last year when I was looking into potentially watching Ring of Honor, so I'd mm-hmm. check some of their uh, weekly television shows, and I would see the guys wearing this belt, and when they have it on, it's even weirder looking because it's just so small looking on them. 
Oh, really? And and then to top it off, it's super weird and oblong. So it's like, it just looks really strange. I don't like speaking it. Speaking of speaking of small small things like like the world the WWF or whatever world WWWF I don't know which one it is the the world title belt that Billy uh, Superstar Billy Graham had that's really small mm-hmm. on him and I'm just like I hated shit like that I'm like it should look it just look bigger than that <laughs> See, that's why that's why I like uh that's why I like uh, NXT's North American Championship. Because it looks nice and it's I fucking think, it's fucking big and looks good. I think that one's a little too big. I honestly think it's a little too big. The bigger, the better, Matt. Don't you understand? <laughs> I do understand. I think it's stupid. I don't it's like gotta be it. like my dick, man. Big. I like I like the typical size of like say the Intercontinental title, the U.S. title, or you know stuff like that. That's about as big as I'm I'm willing to go with most belts. The Intercontinental title is actually kind of small, Matt. It's kind of small. All right, fine. So it is. Yeah, it's a little small. Right. I mean, it's supposed to be, but you know, it looks Ooh. good. Oh, Matt's about to lose Upchuck uh, over the next one on your list. The <laughs> the WWE Divas Championship, the <laughs> stupid butterfly thing. Yeah, the butterfly belt. Yes. Oh God, it's the worst. <laughs> so shitty. Oh, I'm so glad he got rid of that shit. God. Eight long years, Matt. Eight long years. Butterfly belts. This has been the most hated championship belt in recent history. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, pink butterfly on the main plate. No, no, no. And their their number ten is the universal championship that the WWE currently uses, which because it's red. Because it's red, because everyone had a cry about that. Well, that's the only reason it can be because you know you don't have you don't have the WWE championship on here. And yeah, it's the same fucking yeah yeah. Here, here, here's the problem. This see the color doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that you've got literally four championship titles that look the same. Yeah, except you got the, both women's and both world titles that look the same. Except other than for color. Their, yeah, other than the the color of the strap that the everything is right. put on. Yeah. Yeah, you have red, black, blue, and uh, red again. And red again. I, <laughs> no, it's white, well, actually. It, well, white. yeah, the, the leather's white. Yeah. Yeah. What they did for the women's belts is they have. They ha- I, I can't remember now, but I think they have. Is it blue backing for the women's SmackDown title? Yes. Okay. Because I remember at first, I think they had it different. And they just had like the stripe on the logo, diff, uh, blue. But then they changed it to red, so they had a different. I don't know. Fuck, I don't know shit. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think you should have each individual title look distinct from the others, and it shouldn't be so similar. They basically went the UFC route, where you, the UFC championship belts are all the same, identical. There's not. It's not like these where they there's small differences where you can tell what belt it is, but. You know, but but they otherwise look the same. No, theirs are all identical, and I always hated that. I'm like, that's so stupid. It's, part, it's partly why I don't like the. Uh, I like the current design of the NXT Women's and NXT World Title uh-huh. right now, but they're they have the same similar looking syndrome, uh, same design overall, just slightly different colors. Yeah. I don't like that either. I think that that sucks. 
it just makes me annoyed. That's why I like the. That's why I especially like the North American Championship that they came up with earlier and debuted earlier this year because it looks absolutely nothing like the rest of the titles and and any of WWE stuff. So yeah, that's true. Well, what about the UK titles? That look that looks distinct too. Yeah, that's distinct too. That's fine. It looks good. So, anyways, after that, uh, well, back to back to Unbreakable. In case you forgot, cause you probably did. <laughs> yeah, you probably did because we were like ten minutes on the title belts. <laughs> uh, speaking of title belts, okay. So, anyways, so last three matches here. Uh, the the uh, next match we have up is a four way elimination tag match for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. The Naturals coming in as the champions and leaving as champions. The two guys in question, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens. I've literally seen them nowhere else, so there you go. There's that. Uh, but I did like them at the time, so I have no problems with them. They were all good. Uh, the teams they faced, uh, Alex Shelley and Johnny Candido. I'll get. I'll, I'll just say it right now. Um, so they had this tournament to determine the the placement of the fourth team and who would be who would be. And they did this tournament, and recently uh, Chris Candido uh, had died, and so they they decided to do a tag team tournament uh, for the contendership in his honor. And Alex Shelley, and, and Alex Shelley was teamed with uh, Sean Waltman, uh, known as X Pac to most people, one two three kid to a lot of people, but here he was six Pac. So go figure that. Um, Anyways, so uh, he was supposed to be there, and he no-showed or some shit, so that's why. And Alex just started the match by himself, and eventually Johnny Candido just was at ringside with the rest of the family and decided to hop the ring and hopped his railing and get in the ring and just, oh, that was cool. We just accept this now. So I didn't like that. I didn't like anything. Basically, I didn't like anything with with Johnny Candido in it. And they were the first. I don't uh, like being, uh, you know, having to see his underwear. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Like just like a lot of ass. Like, <laughs> what is this shit? At least it was covered. I know, but man, <laughs> it's not like it was any good. So it wasn't worth it. I mean, no, it definitely wasn't. So that team was eliminated first, and for the betterment of the match, I definitely feel. Uh, the other two teams in here were America's Most Wanted, Chris. Harris and James Storm, and also um, Team Canada, which, since that's a, a number of guys in it, uh, the two, t- two guys here was A1, that's literally what it's called, he's not the steak sauce, so don't worry about that, um, and Eric Young, as you all know from Sanity nowadays, um, back before he was doing anything near that type of gimmick, uh, and so uh, eventually it got down to these three teams. These three teams were really good, and it was just it was a fantastic match from then on. And of course, like I said earlier, the Naturals won to retain the titles and uh, uh, enjoyable match. Just uh, just the whole thing about Johnny Candido was crap. So it kind of sours the match on me. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't, they they literally what they should have done. To be quite honest, I think they should have either got someone to replace uh, Sean Waltman, since he no showed that actually wrestles all the time, that was on the roster already, or uh, just not have Alex Shelley in the match at all. That way, you don't have to have him in it. So, so that's my solution, I guess, to that. Um, 
so next match, the second to last match here was uh, for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And of all people to be shocked, there's probably people that don't know. Uh, Raven was the NWA champion at this time. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Yes, this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, a previous um, month or two before prior, he had won the title from Jeff Jarrett in that stupid, uh, was it the uh, King of the Mountain match, which I always hated. Um <laughs> But at least he won it, and uh, that was good. I was not expecting at the time, I remember, and I was very happy that he was champion. And, and he, of course, he did the typical Raven-type matches you'd expect, because here was the Ravens Rules match, as you would expect. And he's against Rhino, and it was one hell of a hard-hitting match, like you'd ex- as you also like you'd expect. I'm saying that a lot because it's true. <laughs> and Raven being is uh, delivering a good promo beforehand, and, you know, him and Rhino obviously work well together, uh, literally bringing in the shopping cart at this point. Uh, and, and running, Rhino running himself into it many times. Yeah. Yes, uh, Gord tried to gore uh, uh, the finisher onto Raven, and Raven moved out of the way, and it was facing, like, you know, as if you were pushing it from the back, and he just went right through it. and Just some hard-hitting shit, and uh, staple gun out, too, also, I believe. Or was that... No, that was a business match. Never mind. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about the pre... I believe it was the month before or after where they did a uh, no-surrender match, uh, pay-per-view match with uh, Raven and uh, being challenged by Abyss. And that's when they were like, oh, you didn't believe the uh, staple gun when we used it before. Well, now we're going to put... Raven took a, a $10 bill or something and actually did the staple and so you could see it stuck to his head, so... That was fucked up. <laughs> gross, Raven. Gross. Yeah, well, that's what they do. Uh, it's not the worst thing I've seen them do at that time, so, you know, there you go. You're probably like, what the fuck did they get into then? Well, barbed wire matches, that's what they got into. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Um, and not the not the rubber tip shit that you saw in WCW. Um, so then, uh, so that was, uh, that was a pretty entertaining match. Uh, Raven retained... And then we had the match that everyone raves about and the only TNA match that, even with Under Impact Wrestling, the only five-star match that Meltzer has ever given to the company. And this was the three-way match for the X Division Championship. Uh, almost 23 minutes. AJ Styles, Christopher Danos, and Samoa Joe. Holy shit, this was a hell of a match. It certainly was. It was uh, just flip-flying everywhere, just like you'd expect. Good shit from everyone. Smojo, I remember at this time watching TNA, and he was he was fucking one of my favorites, and so were the other two guys in this match. So it was fucking awesome. Yeah, my my favorite match, my favorite wrestler of that year was was Christopher Daniels, and who he was coming in this match as the X Division Champion, and he start he started getting kicked every so often, and eventually just said stop kicking me, and then they just uh, started kicking him more. So that was a great spot. <laughs> Yeah, just Christopher Daniels is fantastic in this match and played a great heel to these two. And uh, well, obviously at the time I was probably more hoping for Daniels to retain. AJ Styles did uh, uh, beat him for the title, uh, doing the usual Styles class ending and stuff. So it was all good in the neighborhood. Don't ever say that again, Matt. I'm sorry. I'll stop doing that. But uh, definitely check this match out, even if it's the only one of the show you watch. Yeah, it's very good, very very good. 
And uh, to keep on the past, but move a couple months forward, we'll go now to Final Resolution 2006. And while we're not going over the whole show, we're just gonna we just watched one match, and that match was AJ Styles against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And uh, this is the first time I'd ever heard of him, and first time I'd seen him. And I remember at the time, and this this was probably more to do now watching it back. It definitely is the case. I remember like thinking people building up uh, Tanahashi as this great guy at the time, and. You know, obviously he's gotten better since, but I just, I didn't, I saw this match and didn't really believe the hype. And I was like, eh, but it turns out that it has more to do with the rest of the card and how my overall thoughts were. Because coming off 2005, I was so high on this company. And then like beginning 2006, their very first pay-per-view in January, which was this one, just kind of just sucked all the air out of it for me. Despite the fact that Christian Cage hadn't even been world champion yet by this point. Uh, and had just come in, and I was high on him being there. I was. This was a pretty, sh- pretty low show compared to the stuff they'd put out, uh, especially at the last half of 2005. Yeah, there was a there was a, a fair amount of time before I saw this match where you were just like constantly saying, building it up in my mind that it was not a good Tanahashi match. <laughs> and I was like, and you were just like making me think, man, this is bad Tanahashi 2006, and then. We watched it, and I'm like, what are you talking about? By the end, I was like, this is actually a really good match. Yeah, well, upon <laughs> rewatching it, it was definitely really good. Uh, yeah. I definitely enjoyed it this time around because I didn't, I could divorce myself from the rest of my feelings of the card. And Probably uh, since you didn't remember it. <laughs> no, I definitely remember shit. Like uh, the match of following it, I definitely remember that one. That was probably my biggest reason for why I felt so low on this uh, show because they were doing this thing like after Raven had lost his uh, the NWA world title, they had um, they had him start doing this thing with uh, um, was it uh, Larry Zbysko who was the on screen like GM or whatever have you, and he was kind of being a heelish dickhead to Raven, and he kept on bringing people back from his past to fight him, uh, namely Just Incredible. Um, who under under his I guess his real name um, and stuff like that um, and eventually this show had him and it was the stipulation was always that every major pay-per-view whoever he was against Raven had to win or he would lose his job well here it was all kind of screwy finish and shit and then uh, Waltman had so Waltman defeated him because of that because the the actual referee was uh was Larry Sabisco himself. And so, of course, he was doing biased officiating and fast counting and slow counting, whoever was being pinned at the time. And then they just drag it out even more afterwards with the whole, see ya, bye-bye, gotta go. You know, it kept on egging him on even after the fact. I'm just like, oh, fuck this shit. <laughs> which, which, which I shouldn't be so upset because later in the show, I notice here now, we have Team 3D uh, versus America's Most Wanted. Uh, team 3D being the Dudley Boys, um, they were facing off for the NWA World Tag Team titles. The X Division titles on the line, it was Samojo coming in as champion uh, against Christopher Daniels. We all know that would be good, and probably and definitely was good. Uh, you had Abyss versus Rhino here, too. All this was after this crap, so earlier stuff so it sounds honestly like it's a better show than i give it credit for it's just that that sean woman raven stuff just really pissed me off so <laughs> uh 
But yeah, Tanashi, always great. I never should have never doubted it. That's right. Don't doubt the ace, Matt. <laughs> the ace. <laughs> go ace. Yes. So uh, now we'll go into the uh, UK Championship uh, tournament day two. Not so much tournament, but whatever. Well, day two wasn't the tournament, yeah. Right. It's just uh. Now I watched the day two. The, I watched day one and I watched the tournament. But so I got, of course, introduced to pretty much everybody. I hadn't seen most of these guys. Uh, you know, the only guys that really had been there before or were on the main roster in some respect was like uh, Jack Gallagher was lost lost a match. Um, I guess I'm, I'm guessing maybe nobody else was. Yeah, because the only the day one the main reason to watch that. Is the six-man tag team match where the British Strong style of Pete Pete Dunn, uh, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate uh, defeated uh, the threesome of the in the Spirit Era of Adam Cole, Kyle Riley, and Roderick Strong. Fantastic match, totally worth watching. And but then, but I felt that there was just because you could more, even though they were all planned obviously anyway the. Day two, I thought, was a, a better show overall because um, you had a um, Bait and Seven go against O'Reilly and Strong for the tag team titles, which they won. That was a fantastic match as well. Mm-hmm. You also had a, a, there was a number of contenders match, Fatal Four Way, for the to, to determine who would face uh, Pete Dunn later. Not in this show because that already was set up by the tournament winner of uh, Zach Gibson. Um, but this was for a later on title shot. And Noam Dar returned in his first match back, defeating uh, previous guys, in the, I guess, in the tournament. Uh, it was uh, Flash Morgan Webster, Travis Banks, and Mark Andrews. Uh, it was also a pretty good match. Um, you also had Adam Cole uh, taking on Wolfgang for the North American title. And I liked Wolfgang when I saw him, like, a, you know, previous to this year but you know the stuff i'd seen but uh here i thought he was pretty bad i i don't know why just <laughs> not very good like i mean his i definitely, style is... I definitely seen better from him yes. yeah yeah I, he's not his his style isn't what bothers me it's just that he just didn't seem to have it in him i don't know um we also saw a tag team match alistair black and ricochet defeating EC3 and Velveteen Dream. Honestly, despite despite their efforts, uh, they're pretty low on what to watch if you pick out matches because of how much how good a lot of the other stuff was. Well, it was um, mainly a storytelling match, right? Because that's if you also call true. EC3. Uh, well, Velveteen Dream left EC3 hanging. And that's so, true. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually uh, what they're. What, that's actually the genesis of what they're building up for the next uh, takeover right now. Oh, and uh, to be a singles re- match between those two. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Um, here's another thing that's uh, going to be fun, interesting for you to find out because you know that I haven't been watching NXT weekly shows. Mm-hmm. I just usually just catch the big shows, the takeovers. That's the most I watch. Well, you'll be happy to know that I did watch the the uh, NXT show from this last week. I didn't just catch a match or two. I watched the whole thing. Uh, That's good. So that was a fantastic uh, match. We'll, we'll get into that, I guess, in a little bit. But because yeah. um, I also want to talk about the, I think it was the week or so prior, 
you know, that well was the show right after this one where they did that rematch for the mm-hmm. tag team titles. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, so yeah, I'm gonna actually going to watch it from now on. I'm going to try to remember my, to, to catch it every week so I can be caught Good. up more. Good for you. It's, it's a breeze. It's an easy breezy viewing. It's yes, it is. Yep. yep. Um, but the uh, the the main event was also on this uh, UK day two show was uh, Pete Dune defeat uh, defeating the uh, and retaining the UK title against the uh, Zach Gibson who had won the tournament the day prior, and it was a great great match, uh, really showing uh, Zach Gibson's. Uh, Always trying to go for his Shankly Gates <laughs> finishing hold. Give me your Shankly Gates. <laughs> That's a funny ass name. Uh, <laughs> um, to, well, just uh, to uh, let any viewers know, I did look it up, and it's named after these actual gates that are named after someone named Shankly. I can't remember exactly that. I read the whole name, but like his last name is Shankly, so that's that's what I call. It. And it's. Quickly, quickly, it's locally known as the Shankly Gates, so he calls it the Shankly Gates. Um, yeah, definitely, uh, go if you go back and watch any matches from either of these days the six man tag between British Strong Sound and Speed Era from day one, and in day two has a bit more to watch, I feel, of the NXT Tag Team Championship match between Mustache Mountain and Speed Era. Also check out uh, if you like storytelling matches. I I do think it was pretty good the uh, the tag team match of Astro Black Ricochet EC3 Valentine Dream, and then of course checking out Pete Dune versus Jack Zach Gibson. So yeah, very good stuff. Indeed, it was. I'd have more to say, but I just I just don't remember a whole lot of details. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm too, you don't. I, I, well, it's been a while, and I uh, I'm I'm fully up in a in the the g1 right now so it's hard to it's hard to keep up with the things from like weeks ago and what i would even saw at that point well i thought what i thought was even better than the original uh day two nxt title match was the rematch which not only had a great match but it also did storytelling so it made me yep. really happy it was the best um, of both worlds really yeah it really was it was in fact i thought it was better if you could oh it's by even... far better oh yeah do that i didn't put the first one on my uh my i keep a track now of uh what i think is the best wrestling match i've seen of the year and this rematch is on there the first one is not the rematch from july 11th yes that's on my list yes it's a fantastic match they always so basically uh if you can remember details uh, go through it well the main storytelling thing was uh the undisputed era was getting their getting their rematch since they just lost the titles and uh they were doing a good job of uh, the, the main gist is that they were doing a good job of a uh, of a uh, isolating trent seven from being able to tag tyler bait in and they were just stretching the shadow him with their submissions especially kyle o'reilly and just and to the point where uh that it led to uh tyler bait you know acting like i'm gonna throw in the towel because he can't take anymore and i don't want him to you know, I, don't, I can't stand seeing this. You know, blah blah blah. So he has his hand, and he's in, at the end of the match, and he's he's like holding it out, like 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 please, please, just just tap out. You know, like that. Just just who cares? You know, but he won't do it. Strand Seven just won't do it. He's like, no, I will not give up. 
And then so so Tyler Bate throws in the towel eventually because uh, yeah. he can't stand to see his friend getting this hurt anymore. And it you just gotta watch this match. It's just the best. It's so good. The storytelling yeah. that storytelling is amazing, and then the action is as good as it always is with undisputed era tag team matches of recent. It's been amazing. Yeah, they just they just forever just wrenched on him just uh just to really drive it home how much uh this matters to just because mm-hmm. they don't it isn't like uh you know like a minute later they he throws in a towel it's like several minutes yeah where, where and even if it gets broken off they eventually go back to it and they just wrench it on longer and just like eventually you're just like just let just just give up or just just come back another day to fight and or at least get the tag or something and mm-hmm. you just can't do it and every yeah. they use every single thing to tell the story of that specific ending that they get to mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely definitely a high watermark with uh amazing in-ring action and storytelling that uh you don't get on most matches so yep just absolutely great and uh, while we're while I'm at it, I might as well mention um, the uh, another one-off match, and that is from uh, this last uh, NXT show, Aleister Black versus Samaso uh, Champa for the t- X for the X division <laughs> <laughs> NXT champ. Huh? Yes, Looking NXT back. championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you remember that one, I'm sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was a very surprising. I did not expect it to change like that, but I actually, but when I think about it after the fact, I'm not too surprised. It definitely sets up uh, interesting, uh, a more interesting uh, upcoming takeover than it would otherwise be. So, so I, I'm all for it. I think it's good. Um, they almost never. Pretty much, I don't know. This might be the first time it's changed hands. That title's changed hands on a weekly show uh, since I started watching NXT. Hmm. It's definitely not the first time it's been, you know, defended on a weekly show, but it's almost always predictably, you know, defended successfully. But not this time. We had the we we we, we have faded the Blackheart. Yes, I, I, you're not original. So I know. So I know. It's it's my joke. Don't steal. <laughs> the last time it was uh, changed hands was when Nakamura won his second title, a second NXT title from Samojo in 2006. 2016, sorry. Well, that's a long time ago. I know. <laughs> this was He's actually... been here over 10 years. Holy shit. This actually took place in Japan when they, I guess, recorded a show in Japan. Yeah, I definitely um, wasn't watching then. <laughs> and uh, the only other time it was not on a televised show at all, initially uh, Smojo won the title from Finn Balor on a house show. So. Oh, okay. So there's only twice it was on something other than a big takeover show. Well, that's not true. I'm, not, I'm literally ignoring stuff right in my face. <laughs> the first three title matches, the first three title changes were actually not on pay-per-view. Or anything like that. I don't think they even... They probably didn't even have those. No, they did yet. No, because... Yeah. yeah. So it was... Uh, the first two champions were Seth Rollins, Big E, and Bo Dallas. So... Which, by the way, uh, outside of... Uh, well, yeah. Never mind. I was about to say he's, Bo Dallas is the longest champion, but 
writing. No, no, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who beat him, Adrian Neville, uh, had it for seven more days than he did. And then Finn Balor had it for 292. But anyways, but that's the longest since. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they bring uh, yeah. Up things. They bring Tommaso, up people too quickly. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, um, just fantastic in every way. He pretty much takes, like, for instance, like, I was saying this on Twitter, and I mentioned this to you in person before, but I it just goes goes without saying that I feel like uh, well I like Adam Cole he is not he's supposed to be a heel and if you're supposed to be a heel and people are supposed to dislike you but then everyone's like chanting you and excited you're there you're not <laughs> doing your job right you're a terrible heel then no he Just, isn't he, he is a terrible heel but he's a great cool heel that's the problem <laughs> god damn <laughs> no it's, that's just not the way to go back because to me everything about it's like it's almost like I mean if you compare the two, Tomas Chamba is like everything that he takes everything that like Adam Cole's doing and just like pretty much gets rid of it. Like, oh, you like our a cool theme song? Well, guess what? I have no theme song whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Not even a bad one. I just don't have <laughs> shit. My theme song is your booze. <laughs> yeah, th- that's actually what I like is there's none and it's just a bunch of course of booze he comes out to. The only other time that ever happened, I ever remember someone coming out to no music whatsoever was when I saw, and this wasn't the only time this happened to him at that time, but in WCW in 1999, and you remember this probably because you remember the event slightly anyway, those first two matches of, of Spring Stampede that year that I always like to watch. And one of them was, um, fuck, it was, uh, I think it was Raven. No, it was, it was Sandman as Hardcore Hack. <laughs> Go figure. He was against Bam Bam Bigelow. Bigelow came mm-hmm. out to nothing. No music whatsoever. But he wasn't, like, hated or anything. So it was kind of, that was kind of odd, weird, didn't fit. Whereas this perfectly does. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, Tomas Jamba, you like, you sit there and you watch his match, especially with like, or any of them, but specifically this one here with Black, and everything he does is one step further across the line than you think he's going to go, or than than you're used to seeing even, and it's always more slimy and disgusting of a of an act than you than you would you would think there'd be a line drawn. Okay, he's not going to go past this line because no insane person would. But then you're like, nope, he does. <laughs> And on top of that, um, like, he even, like, knocked the ref off. He, like, exposed the f- bare floor or some shit. And instead of using it on black, he he, he, accident- he accidentally somehow gets it so that the ref falls onto it <laughs> instead. And then, um, but basically, it's like this. It's like I've been saying on Twitter and stuff. It's like, he is, uh, wow, my, my fucking thought went out of my brain. Don't you hate that? It is the worst. So I'm going to take a brief moment here to look it up, what I said. Because <laughs> it is worth noting, I thought. Okay. Tomasa Ciampa is the only wrestler I've ever seen in the last few years where I think, I'm thinking after a match or so, that that was a good match. And I know it's all the work, but still, fuck that asshole. <laughs> like, he still has underlining, he's still a jackass. He's still a douche. <laughs> I still hate him. Yeah. yeah it's not like... Like even even like we, like yeah, you got the whole Adam Cole being a cool heel, 
But even like normal heels, which is almost everybody else, you're just like, yeah, he's not something I cheer, but I'm not saying I'm necessarily going to boo. Whereas mm. this guy, you're like, yeah, great match, but still fuck you, you disgusting, slovenly piece of shit. <laughs> Fucking asshole prick. And now you're the NXT champion? What the fuck? God damn. Asshole. <laughs> Bitch. Yes. So, that was a very good match. It also, sto- t- also told a very good story. Mm-hmm. It's almost like sometimes it's better than just having a good match, but who am I to say? I'm to say no, but uh, <laughs> I gotta have both. But uh, sometimes you gotta you gotta sacrifice match quality to have a story that leads to a match you actually care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that happens time to time. So I agree. Um, and uh, I guess we'll if you got nothing else to add. Uh, do you want to talk about G1 or anything? I'm just going to mention my four favorite matches so far that the G1 Climax 28 has uh, produced for me. Okay. Um, these are, I guess you could call them my five-star matches of the tournament so far of New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 28. Um, <laughs> day two, Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito. Uh, day 8, Sonata versus Kota Ibushi. Day 10, Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishii. And day 10 as well, Kenny Omega versus Sonata. It's like, it's like it, it involves like four people in four different matches. And they normally would be like eight people. But, you know, everyone just can't can't top these four people. You know what I'm saying? Apparently. Do Doesn't it. matter what order you put them in. Yeah, pretty much. And it's all from, and all these matches are from the uh, B block, because it's the best block. Yeah, I heard I heard that about the B block. It's much better. It is much better. <laughs> it has people I like more on uh, on average, and it's producing better matches, too. So, A block seems to be the, uh, let's get, let's get uh, Folly disqualified while we do our shenanigans, Bullet Club block. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It's really, there's a lot of that. In fact, uh, there was a, Dayton had another, even though it was B block, it had another uh, another uh, disqualification in a Tomatonga match because of course it did, which is funny because once again, early on in the tournament, uh, Kevin Kelly, the commentator for the English side of this stuff was saying, was emphasizing multiple times about how rare DQs are disqualifications are in a G1 and it's like but now we have like four <laughs> and we're like halfway through like, they're, like, they're like oh we we just uh, we haven't done any in a long time so let's just really do a lot of them let's just do all of the all of them you know, all at once yep <laughs> and also I just want to go over some stuff here with my wrestlers of the year 2018 um, Ooh. <laughs> I've uh, taken all the my favorite matches of the year and just kind of gave each individual person that's in them a point, a single point for however many they're in. So, mm-hmm. so my leaderboard has 34 people on it. That includes everyone that's uh, you know been in on a match that's on my list. And 
my top 10 for this year so far, Kenny Omega's at the top, of course. Uh, seven points. Will Ospreay is second with five. Hiromu Takahashi with five. Kota Ibushi is number four with four points. And then uh, we have Marty Skrull with three points. Johnny Gargano with three points. Kyle O'Reilly with three points. Roderick Strong with three points. Sonata with three points. And number 10 is Kushida with two points. Sweet. Sorry, so, I got nothing. You know, there's nothing to have. It's just just some <laughs> good wrestlers doing some <laughs> good matches. That's good wrestling. It's good wrestling. That's right. Sweet. All right, so I'm going to have to hit on some dour notes. Uh, so we're recording this the day after a whole slew of fucking wrestlers died. What the fuck? That's drop dead. Just pile them up, Matt. Yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> um... So uh, the sad news of these three wrestlers, one you don't probably ever know, didn't know about, one you remember from the past, and one fairly current. So there you go. Got all the varieties here of that are dropping dead. Um, so uh, let's see if I can get some details on the death. Uh, okay, come on. I'm not sure if it even says. Because it's just kind of saying. I guess it doesn't go into it, so it's probably just some like natural causes type of shit. And that is, at the age of 70, Nikolai Volkov passed away. So I'm sure all of you remember him from the, if you watched in the, the boom, 80s boom of wrestling, especially WWF. Yeah. He was a big part of that. So, so that's him. Uh, yeah. Pro Russia motherfucker. <laughs> not today's Russia <laughs> or not any Russia, I guess. Um, the one no one knows about pro cycling, but, uh, he did have a long wrestling career was, uh, a man under the name of Brickhouse Brown. And uh, he uh, he died uh, after a battle with cancer. And uh, the most notable thing that I noticed when I was... Because uh, the articles I'm linking to on the blog post for this episode shows a bunch of... It's all from postwrestling.com. And uh, when John Pollock puts up these things, he includes uh, YouTube videos of certain ports in their career. And there's specifically one where Brookhouse Brown was against uh, Hunter Stumsley in like the uh, early 90s, you know, or late 90s, I'm sorry, like 96. And uh, so I watched the whole match there, and that was pretty pretty interesting match. It was not the typical squash match you'd expect where the guy gets no offense. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the, uh, the biggest uh, death was of Brian Lawler, under the name, usually one of the name Brian Christopher, as I'm sure most people know. And he's dead at 46. And apparently he, he'd always had run-ins with the law with his drunk driving or what have you and shit. And apparently when he was in a, uh, was still in jail, he tried to hang himself. But it was not successful. But I guess it was bad enough that 
he was in, taken to intensive care in the hospital, local hospital and then died later, which was yesterday. So, so a delayed suicide. Basically, it seemed like. Yeah. Because there's no real, I haven't heard anything about, you know, anything else that happened to him that might have caused it. It was probably just complications of him trying to kill himself. So, and that's too bad because uh, I always enjoyed his stuff when I saw him. You know, he's part of doing that tag team with uh, Scott Taylor. Too sexy, too too hot, too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then later doing the Too Cool tag team with uh, Rikishi as a third add-on to the group and stuff. So, yeah. In fact, what's great is that there's there's a YouTube of the whole match of the ten man tag team match that they were a part of from from Raw in two thousand May of two thousand. That includes it was it uh, included also included a uh, let's see here. Mm, trying to see. Did it say okay? There it was uh, February seventh two thousand. Uh, they teamed that Too Cool and Rikishi teamed with The Rock and McFoley against Triple H, X Pac, Chris Momoa, Perry Saturn, and Team Malenko. And it is one hell of a match. That's actually so. Spock thought, speaking of old matches to go back and watch, that's another one. And that's actually linked in the uh, uh, in the uh, postwrestling.com story that I linked to. So it says part two of two on the uh, title for the for the video so more than likely you can find the part one link to it so hopefully maybe it's a uh, taken down you know as youtube tends to do these days just everything all joy has to be taken out of youtube just so you know <laughs> of course that's the way of the things now so sorry to leave you guys on a down note but that's 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 how this worked out so but uh good match to go back to worth watching all right, so uh, I'll do it for us. Uh, check us out uh, at Space Suplex on Twitter. That's about all I care to reminisce about. Uh, any any extra links to get in contact with us or to see other things is on the blog post. Um, you want to tell the fans anything, Mike? Just want to say, uh, watch that G1. It's some hot shit. And also... Uh... Check my crappy Twitter out at Usagi704 and also my banging Instagram. There's no <laughs> four between the letters and the numbers for my name there. Your banging Instagram. <laughs> my banging Instagram. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time, fellow wrestler fans, wrestling fans. Yep. Take it easy. Bye.